This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Hi, it's Jay. I just wanted to get the cheap laughs in the first segment out of the way up front because what I have for you today, as promised, is a commentary that could save our lives or merely observe that our lives are in danger. Whether or not we do anything about it is, at least, thank God, still up to us. And that's what follows on the Blaze Radio Network, Veritas. Welcome back, best and brightest. I am Jay Severin, one 3393 one 3393 Someday, soon, long from now, in between, you are, I trust, I believe, going to recall that we talked about this today. And that you heard one of the definitive analyses you've ever heard in your life about the Muslim thing, and that you heard it here. Death cult. It isn't a new metal group. Words mean things, maybe even your life in this case. I have noticed something. I have 100% confidence I am right. And 99% confidence that we are first with this. And 99% confidence that it means something Tremendously important. I beg, I beg you to consider the following. The dividing line that we are using on the Muslim issue, quote-unquote, is wrong from the moment we open our mouths, as I just did when I said the Muslim issue. The vocabulary, the language of our politics and our culture and our discourse with each other from the water cooler to the floor of the United States Congress is going to determine 
our fate. There is a death cult, and it is made up of the greatest number of people who believe in a religion on the planet Earth. And a so far immeasurable segment of that religion is a committed death cult. When I saw the pictures, again, replayed and replayed and replayed from the Turkey airport bombing, the latest <clears throat> act of, 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 of pornographic violence, I saw women crying, which means this woman lived to be 80 years old and see her loved ones wrenched away from her. For what? I'll tell you for what. For a religious purpose. People tore her babies out of her life and said, look at me. (laughs) Look what I did. Isn't this great? If we say that Muslims do that, and if you think this is going to be a defense of Muslims, you're a little too impatient. Believe me. Words mean things. Words here are going to determine our lives, our values, everything. I want you, please, I beg you to consider these words and the difference between them. Muslim and Sharia. Or for operational purposes, we are coining a term, I believe, Muslim or Shariaist. We are currently defining our adversary as Muslims. Those of us who are more, care to be more precise with our thinking in language, we say radical Muslims. We say Islamists. Okay. I don't disagree with those. But it's a little bit broad a term, and I challenge us for us with this if your enemy is all the muslims in the world good luck there's only about 70 kabillion of them from a practical operational and moral political cultural every possible aspect If you decide that all Muslims are your enemy, I pray to my God that you're wrong. Because if you're right, if all Muslims are our enemy, we're just just on the conveyor belt waiting to die. Because by sheer numbers and the fanaticism that the fanatics among them exhibit, We're not going to, everybody's sitting at home at their desk, doing their job, driving home, doing the shopping, are doing those things because it constitutes their lives, their life. The people who hate us, the death cult, want us dead. When they pray to their God, when they go to the office, so to say, They're just trying to figure out how to kill as many of us 
as soon as possible. I sure hope Muslims aren't our enemy, meaning all of them. Because as I say, if they are, good luck. Don't buy any unripened fruit. If on the other hand, we recognize we recognize that there is no practical, effective, consider my words, practical and effective way to ever draw the line at merely Muslim, then please recognize with me that any practical and effective, nota bene, practical and effective definition, which is operationally helpful to us, practical and effective definition of our enemy is probably not Muslim, but rather Shariaist. And it is positively, absolutely crucial that we, the thinking, we, the patriots, we, the best and brightest, frankly, that we understand this distinction and embrace it and instruct people less bright to understand the distinction so that we can recognize the enemy and do something about it. Thus ends part one of my commentary, and the essential line is the effective, practical definition of our adversary is probably not Muslim. The correct answer to the question, what is the most practical and effective identification of our enemy, is not Muslim, but rather Shariaist. Any and every Muslim that embraces and supports Sharia law is our problem, is the issue for reasons I am about to illustrate in part two. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 I want you to know that <clears throat> we will not take our first caller until the next segment of the show. Our first caller today will be Scott from Boston, who uh, held on for uh, in a Herculean effort on Monday. And I and I feel badly about it. And uh, Scott's a senior partner of the show, and he will be our first caller today. Back to words that mean things, and the most important word distinction from those of us who love words. 
This is a reminder that they mean things and could mean our lives. Because we're going to base our cultural, national, political, military defense against the death cult based on words. And it's important that we be as precise as possible for a variety of reasons, which I'll leave unsaid. I'm a political strategist. I have lived and breathed everything that's in the news since before I founded my fifth grade civics club and every day there since. But mostly, I'm just a guy that wants to go to work and come home to my family. I don't want to live in Istanbul. I don't want to live in Pakistan or Afghanistan. So as a fellow patriot, I submit to you that identifying our adversaries as, quote, Muslims is a losing proposition. Because if we, if we do that, and when we do that, we are called and will be called racists. We will find it difficult or impossible to defend ourselves, not only against the charge of racism, but we will find it difficult or impossible to defend ourselves against such a mammoth entity. We, we simply cannot say, well, okay, we're against all Muslims in the world. Now, if that turns out to be true, true is true. Veritas is veritas. How gargantuan is the problem is not the question if it's the truth. I think it is prima facie evident that not all Muslims want to kill us. Otherwise, you'd be dead. And so would I. But the people who want to embrace and allow and promulgate, practice, and bring to this, our country, a culture and a set of laws that will kill you are the Muslims who embrace Sharia law. And the really big problem, just to ruin the punchline a little bit, is that I believe the percentage of Muslims worldwide that when push comes to shove, support Sharia law, is either a frightening minority, a frighteningly sized minority, or a grotesquely frightening majority. But if we call our enemies, if we ID them as all Muslims, we are going to be thought nuts by our fellow citizens and racists and our own government, and we are going to find it impossible to defend ourselves. And most importantly, forget what, what we're called. If we don't call the thing what it is, if we don't identify it properly and precisely, we will not be able to conjure a practical and effective, what did I say? Practical and effective strategy and tactics to combat it, to survive. We will lose. They will win which means you and I are dead. Our children, dead. Oh, wait, I forgot. It's the promised cheap laughs for the segment. We must draw a practical, effective, understandable distinction as to who 
is the enemy for a thousand different reasons. We need to understand it. Our enemy is anybody and everybody who believes in Sharia law. Now, I don't think I need to explain to anybody here what Sharia law is, but, you know, it includes the notion that killing for religion is a good thing, that you absolutely have the right to come to the United States and chop your daughter's head off if she goes out on a date. If your wife is seen talking to another man on the street, absolutely okay to beat her to death. The case that stands out in my mind is a woman, a woman, a mother, her mother, who beat to death her 12-year-old daughter because a boy on a bicycle rode by outside the house when they were inside the house and the boy on the bicycle smiled at her and she smiled back and her mother proceeded post-haste to beat to death her own daughter with a toaster. That's Sharia law. Honor killing is Sharia law. Murder is Sharia law. The murder of non-believers. Not that you don't believe in a God. You don't believe in theirs. Killing you is a precious, blessed thing. That's Sharia law as, disclaimer, as I understand it. And I do understand it. This is a much more precise and, frankly, more legitimate and even more, frankly, much scarier proposition because it's a scary but real definition that the mere conjuring of the word Muslim, you know, you're not going to get just by saying, ah, oh, Muslims. They're not the problem. The sharp end of the spear is the problem. The sharp end of the spear is Sharia law. And though we'll talk about it later, you don't even want to know at this point how many American Muslims, how many American Muslims, Muslim in, in America right now, believe in Sharia law. You don't even want to know. By the way, we don't know. And that's one of the reasons we don't know. We're afraid to find out. Muslims, in theory, do not per se bother me, and I hope I'm not being overly liberal or optimistic here, but again, there are billions of Muslims, and if they wanted us dead, we'd be dead today. But among them, there are Shariists. I don't know if that's a word. I'm claiming it if it isn't. And that, that, Sharia scares the hell out of me. And I want to scare the hell out of you. Because these things are entirely different. Muslim and Sharia do go together, but not all the time. Again, like we say, all Muslims are not terrorists. But so far, all the terrorists have been Muslims. Okay? Not all Muslims are Shariists, though all the Shariists are Muslims. The question is, how many of Muslims are Shariists? That's what ought to scare the hell out of both of us. If you believe in Sharia law, 
you are a domestic enemy of the United States of America that our founding fathers fearfully predicted. When our president swears an oath, he says to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Anyone who believes in Sharia law believes in Sharia law first. And all other, i.e. American, laws, not at all compared to Sharia. You need to fear them. I mean seriously fear them. Given what any man, woman, or child believes that Sharia is willing to do to you. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. They're the cheap laughs for this segment. It's all you're going to get. I want to make very clear, this is Jay Severin speaking for Jay Severin only. My opinion on the matter of Sharia law is based on my sincere understanding. Again, as I understand it, it's sincere. I, I, I believe that what I'm presenting to you, the characterizations I'm making, are true in fact and provably so. That's my belief. Uh, it is also true that this is my opinion alone, unless it isn't. But what I mean to say is this is not the opinion of my colleagues, my employers, my partners, my friends, or anybody else. This is my opinion and my commentary alone. It has not been reviewed or approved or by anybody else. This is just something I think needs saying. If, by the way, it sounds to you like I'm kind of an apologist for Muslims in general, I am. Imagine being Muslim, but not embracing Sharia law. In other words, you wouldn't honor kill someone in your family. You wouldn't and don't associate with families who honor kill in their family, who beat their wives and daughters to death, who force them to cover themselves with only their eyes showing. Don't let them outside. Don't let them drive. If there's even a hint of a rumor that you are homosexual, you are savagely killed after, of course, people reportedly have serial homosexual rape sex with you. Then you are killed. The punishment for homosexual sex? More homosexual sex than murder. These are things I believe are demonstrable facts, are they not? And I use them to make a distinction that I believe is a matter of life and death for us because we need a strategy. And if we say Muslim, then we're we're going to fail. And yes, we're also doing a disservice to I think it's just as demonstrable that most Muslims are not Shariists, just like most Muslims are not terrorists. They're not. Thank God they're not. Thank, parenthesis, my, parenthesis, God, they're not. Because there are so many Muslims in the world, and so many in America, that if someone threw a switch and could say, okay, all Muslims that believe in Sharia law 
go murder non-Muslims tomorrow. It wouldn't be much of a contest. The fact that we're able to have this conversation, still, proves the point. The enemy is not Muslims. The enemy, it seems to me, are Muslims who embrace Sharia law and would foster it here in the United States and foist it on you. As I understand it, people who believe in Sharia law, and I've mentioned the honor killings and the all, all the other horrible stuff, the point is I am told that people who believe in Sharia law believe it to the exclusion of the tolerance of anything and everything else. Anything and everything you believe, including your religion. No, wait, especially your religion and every other value you hold dear. I am told that anyone who believes in Sharia law believes that they are instructed, inspired, encouraged, validated, blessed by their God. You know, their exclusive only God. They believe that they are empowered, encouraged by their God to kill people like chickens in the name of their religion. Honor killings, gay killings, beating children to death, wives to death. Understand, slaughtering you and your family in your beds is a sacred, blessed act, not for Muslims. It's for hardcore Shariaists. And again, if that word doesn't exist, we are hereby claiming it. We are claiming it herewith. Because Shariaist means someone who actively, knowingly embraces it and would foster it on us. Better start thinking about Sharia law. Better start worrying about Sharia law. Better start learning more about Sharia law. We'd better start narrowing our definition of who are our adversaries so that it doesn't stupidly say Muslim, but does say, frankly, Shariaists. While there is still time. These, these, now, the now, my dear friends, now, this, these are the moments, the months, the few years maybe, that we have to identify and take action and protect ourselves against the people who kill in the name of a god. These people, these people meaning Shariaists, And I have defined that again and again. I want to be precise and I want to be careful because it's the right thing to be. The people who embrace and would foster and permit and encourage Sharia law in this country, honor killings, the beatings, the the burnings, the drownings, the beheadings, they do that in the name of something. They do it in the name of Sharia law. And these are the moments we have to identify and learn and teach this before Shariaists become a fifth column within our country until it's too late. And we say, well, how is that? How is that possible? If and when the dread day should arrive in the United States of America, 
when you and I are widely criticized or lose our job or are beheaded for making this distinction, for asking these questions, for making this identification, i.e. Sharia law, then we're done. We're finished. Because today you you can't say Muslim and say these things, and you, you oughtn't. You oughtn't say. You shouldn't lose your job. You shouldn't be beheaded. You shouldn't go to jail. But you should try to be as smart as you can. And saying, well, you know, Muslims. No, Shariists. And one reason is because, as I've stated, of, of all the Muslims, we know that not all are Shariists, and we had better hope that whatever the tipping line is of a majority or a very sizable minority, at the moment, a majority or very sizable minority of our neighbors become Shariists, well, (laughs) I don't, you know, you can do the math. Sharia law. If we lack the courage and the intelligence and the commitment to identify it and understand it, then we are committing political, cultural, and literal suicide. We are aiding and abetting our own demise, literally. If you believe I am wrong or misguided about this, I beg you for the second time today, I'm begging you, educate me. Please, please educate me if I am wrong about this, about this distinction, this righteous distinction between Muslims and Shariists. In my mind, it's the distinction between Germans in World War II and that other group, which never approached a majority of Germans. Uh, And because I am a big part German, Maybe I ought to say that so that, you know, if I have a a dog in this fight, but I don't feel I do. If you believe I'm wrong, please educate me. Otherwise, please share my apprehensions. Share with me what you think we ought to do. Think about it. Because I fear that soon, certainly within the next five to ten years, we could be looking at events at the Turkish airport in our country with regularity. And we don't know if we can't prove instantly, you know, if that was terrorism, if it was ISIS, even then we don't know for sure if those were Muslims, but we do know if they were Shariists. And soon, sooner rather than later in our lifetimes, the lifetimes of your children, the failure to to understand this distinction and to make it actionable, to put it into policy, to understand Sharia and Shariists. Again, by definition, people who, as I understand it, support, tolerate, believe in, and at worst commit honor killings, murders, crimes of violence against women, homosexuals, non-believers, other legion acts of political, violent fanaticism against you, 
you're next on the list. And those people will prevail, a gentle word, considering what it means. And that's the end of us, spelled U-S-A, postscript. English equals England equals English. And my postscript is, remember, if you were here, what I said yesterday about pork chops and kidneys. For a thousand years, Englishmen and women walked into the local butcher and got their chops and kidneys on brown paper tied with a string around it. But first of all, try to find an English-speaking butcher in London. Secondly, try to find one that will give you your chops and kidneys because they can't anymore. Because the law says they can't. Because it offends certain people that they have invited into their country. So, uh, would it be terrible of me to suggest that we consider that like England is England and in the act of becoming something else, someone else, let's start by looking up the word assimilation. Let's start by considering what has made immigration truly the engine of America when it for 200 years was. Because people came here not to just be in America. They came here to become American. And all and everything I'm talking about here is there were the Germans and then there were the other guys. In Germany, there are Muslims and then there are Shariists. It's a distinction that proves words mean things and can mean the difference between life and death. Please consider. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Scott, welcome. Sorry, thank you, and and you're hereby invited to kick off the next hour as well as now. And uh, welcome, mate. Cool. Thank you. Good afternoon, sir. Nice to talk to you. Good afternoon. Um, yes, and no need do to not feel obligated. Day. Do not feel obligated to talk about what I just talked about. You because you, you okay. called on Monday, so you have your own agenda. Uh, <laughs> I can't bring hey, Monday's you know. news to Wednesday, though. <laughs> well, yes, you can. You could do anything you want. We'll pretend it's Monday for the moment. All right. Well, briefly before we get to the top of the hour break, um, welcome back. I'm glad to hear you're feeling well. And I was reading Thank some you. of your tweets, and yes, I'm happy to hear you're doing well. And I know I speak Thank for you. all of us when we say welcome back. Well, maybe um, not, but but I but it's a lovely thought. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right. Jay, I could go in one of 48 directions right now. I don't even know. Like you said, your brain was hurting. Remember you tweeted that? You have so much to say. Yes. Oh, excuse me. Before I proceed, um, please do not feel the need to apologize. I understand you were out for a week. 
and naturally you're going to come back like a race car at a red light. Matter of fact, when I called yesterday, <laughs> I called the, I called knowing that I may not get on. I said he may not take any callers today because he's got a lot to say. You and I Monday, only right? dropped. Uh, was it Monday? Oh, excuse me. Yes, two days ago. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes, no, I, I just wanted to get. And thank you for the sure kind words. Was working. Yeah, right. Both of us there. Um, and thank you for the kind words because I listened to yesterday's show as I do virtually every show. Not at all. I listen to it. Not at all. Um, that, that was a kind words. Thank you. Yep. Uh, we have a minute in this segment, so okay. So well, know. here's my title. Here's my here's my title. Ready? We'll go to break on this. In my opinion, Jay, the planet Earth has cancer, and what I'm very concerned about is I don't know if it's curable. Um, it's is it benign? Of- well, okay. That is it. Benign or malignant? You don't know. Is it? Is it caused by us? Was it self-inflicted, uh, e.g., by smoking or the equivalent? <laughs> or was it visited on us for reasons we'll never know? Interesting question. I didn't expect that question back. You got me off guard there. But um, I would say... You're going to have about... You're going to have about four or five minutes to ponder your response, counsel. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but I mean, but, but, you, can... but Scott, you need me. So again, you come back with whatever you want. I'm in the countdown. Scott from Boston, long overdue, is back with us. We'll be together in just a couple minutes. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, I I live to see the day. I I live to see the day, and I'm here with you, which is only appropriate. Barack Hussein Obama just said something with which I agree. I, truly, he Obama just said something with which I agree. He said, "quote I expect the next president of the United States." will push for comprehensive immigration reform, end quote. I agree. Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest. My blood pressure is just beginning to come down. <clears throat> I am not going to use the laugh machine uh, because we're going to uh, make a switch up here, depending on how much Scott initially wants to do that. And I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about, uh, well, say, Elizabeth Warren and Hillary Clinton. So no need for... Sound effects. Scott is from Boston. Welcome back to the Blaze Radio Network, which is reachable, incidentally, at 1-888-900-3393. Scott, take it away. Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, I'll go back to what we were previously talking about, but I can't help but make a sarcastic comment when you mentioned Elizabeth and Warren. You mean Pocahontas, right? Isn't that Pocahontas, the... uh... (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes. Becoming, I, I believe, the only, 
You know, I, th- I, I, I know a little bit about the history of the Harvard Law School, and uh, this is a big, big statement, and I could be wrong, but I would bet pretty good money without knowing, uh, if it's possible to know. I'll bet Elizabeth Warren may be, uh, not as they bill it, their first minority tenured full-time law school faculty member. I'll bet she's the first something else. I'll bet she's the first Harvard Law School professor in any capacity, tenured or otherwise, ever to have been educated at the Rutgers School of Law. Uh, I'm just guessing, but uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and geez, look how quickly we can veer off path here, which is a positive thing. But yeah, it's I mean, wonderful, Elizabeth isn't Warren, it? it is. It's awesome. We could go in forty-eight directions, like I said. But real quick, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, she she may be more disgusting than Hillary. I, I almost exactly. I almost welcome the ticket, Hillary. You want to bring her as your VP? Bring it on. I have enough hey, faith know, in the a, American that's people. That's a good question. That's a good question. A lot of us have the sense, I think, uh, Scott, that. You know, well, let, as you say, bring it on uh, that they that that would be a politically suicidal act by the Democrats because they would be reading their own clippings in effect. Right. And they'd be they'd be thinking, wow, whatever attracts people to uh, Clinton, they'll be doubly attracted. This is like a better than two for one. The sum is better. Uh, I'm sorry, the whole is better than the sum of its parts. And 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 you know what? I don't know that that's untrue. I hope it's untrue. It, it could be that Elizabeth Warren on the ticket dooms the ticket, especially in these current, you know, phenomenal circumstances. Uh, I don't mean Trump. I mean the forces that brought, that made Trump possible. I just don't. I just don't know if she would be an addition or not. And that's something fundamental that I really feel I ought to know. But this year, I don't. Well, yeah, yeah Hillary, uh, a Hillary Elizabeth Warren ticket. Or this is bringing me back to my eighth grade math class. Remember, a double negative equals a positive. So it might, <laughs> it might actually, it might actually work out. You know, which is scary. But right. back, back, back to uh, us having cancer. And I like how you separated it because, yes, being a Muslim is a religion. That is a religion. Being a Shariaist, as you eloquently invented the word, equals a cult. There is a very divisive, distinct difference there. Being a Muslim is a religion. Being Sharia is a cult. Now you say, okay, now what do we do about this cancer this earth has? I mean, Jay, it's unacceptable. I'm getting tired of putting on the news and it's becoming the norm that 80 more people get slaughtered. I don't care if it's Orlando, Boston, New York City, or Istanbul. I'm just getting tired of it. It's becoming so normal at this point where I put the news on and I'm like, you know, the top of the hour, up oh, the Red Sox won, okay, the weather's going to be 70 tomorrow, and 80 people get slaughtered. It's becoming the norm, and that scares me, and it has to stop. So what do we do? I don't know. You're, by My the way, first- you're, writer, you're writer than perhaps you appreciate. The more that this becomes an other than phenomenal, earth-shaking, abnormal event is the degree to which we tolerate it. You know, when it happens once or twice, three times in a year, it activates people 
rightly or wrongly, depending on whether they're a Democrat. But it activates people. But if it happens 25 times in a year, there is a point that the hitherto intolerable becomes, you know, okay, but right now I have to go to work. It's like true in our in our daily lives. It's true with our children. It's true with our cars. It's true with, you know what I mean? Like you say, oh, I can't have that. You know, look at that. Look at this. This window, this side window in the back has a big crack in it. I have to get that fixed right away. And then my wife tells me, I got an estimate for that. It's $185. And I say, oh, okay, well, we can't do it today then. We'll have to wait like till, you know, next week. And guess what? You know, 13 months from now, I got a window with a crack in it. <laughs> I tolerated it for two days. Then I tolerated it for twelve days. Then I tolerated it for twelve months. It's I sure, think it's human sure. nature. I think you're right. It becomes it becomes the norm. People get people. I can see it with my friends and family. People are becoming desensitized to mass slaughter. Exactly, and that that is very scary. It's very scary. Exactly. Uh, it's one of my favorite bands, Soundgarden, who I love. I'm a big rock fan, Jay. Don't get me started on that drop. <laughs> we'll do that another day. But <laughs> Welcome one, one of my favorite. Yeah. I, I, like, yeah. I like them too, although I admit they're, they're about 10 years ahead of my uh, prime knowledge in the rock and roll <laughs> industry. But. But but to quote to quote Chris Cornell, the lead singer, in one of their great songs, he says, the story's getting old now. It's getting old. It's at what point does it have to stop? Um, let, let me move on briefly, Jay, because let me tell you something. Something's going to be done. So what? what is my cure? If I was the doctor and I was uh, put in front of a patient with this cancer that Earth has, here's the first thing we need to do. Now, this is why liberalism is literally killing people and killing this country. This is why. It is time to profile. Yes, deal with it. It's not racism. It's common. I almost swore for the first time on your show, and I never will, but I almost did. It's common bleeping sense. It's not racism, okay? Until I see the first massacre uh, committed by a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Swedish guy, then we'll, re- we'll bring back up the topic of racism. In the, in the interim, let's use some common sense here. Yes, it's time it's to called, profile. Much it's like- called discrimination, and it's why the rich tapestry of our arsenal, of our quiver of words in the English language is so underused, and the ones that are are generally abused. And, and th- that rich tapestry, that arsenal, includes words like racism, racialism, discrimination, bigotry, bias. They are all related, though not necessarily synonymous, and they are certainly not the same thing. Like today, everything is racism. Um, you know, that vaguely touches that category. It's instantly racist because it's the dumb, easy, quick thing to say. But what you're talking about is discrimination. We ought to discriminate. We spank our babies or summon whatever justice we think is appropriate when they crawl across the floor and look like they're going to stick a fork in an electrical outlet. We teach them to discriminate. If they're outside with us and we're having a walk and they try to pick up a snake, you know, we say to them, "Uh uh-uh, bad, bad. Exactly. You know, we try to teach them to discriminate. Common sense. A human being that does not learn discrimination probably gets killed in some kind of accident for which they are responsible, you know, in the first 15 years of life. Because that's it's kind of a like 
too dumb to live Darwinism. You know, if you don't learn not to pick up a snake by the time you're 15, chances are the first snake you meet, uh, you better not be uh, a rattler. All right, I got a break. You're welcome to stay again. Up to you. Be right back on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show. Welcome back. I am Jay Severin. This is the Blaze Radio Network. Our telephone number is one 3393 As an aside, let me mention, it occurs to me, and I just tweeted during the break, if the Turkey airport terror had occurred in an American airport, if it had been Chicago, Atlanta, New York, L.A., Miami. Obama would today be holding his sixth press conference in a week about the evils of guns. He'd be having his sixth press conference in as many days about the evil of the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution, identifying the Constitution as the enemy and the cause. We welcome back Scott, and the reason we do, by the way, professionally speaking, so that you know, is that, yes, it's an extraordinary number of segments for a caller to be invited for. And one of the reasons is I almost broke blood valves in my eyes during the first hour (laughs) talking about that stuff, and uh, what I needed was a sorbet on the palate between courses, you know, to just, you know, change up. And Scott happens to be a particularly curious, thoughtful uh, uh, caller who really brings a lot of great questions and opinions to the show. And so for me, it's like dessert. Uh, he's, he's a great caller. So, Scott, welcome back. Wow. Thank you, Jay. Jeez. Uh, talk about putting a little pressure on me, you know. No, no, I, I know now. If you flop now, you've had it. But you know. yeah, right. Well, you do, have a, you do have a dump button, right? So if I say something stupid, we have a thirty-second delay. Um, Actually, I, I, I take care of that before the show. I try to take care of that before the show. But, but, too much. Right, right. Okay, that's pretty funny. Actually. <laughs> All right, I'm going to switch gears real quick. Let's close out our previous topic. Yes, it, can we all just agree, everyone listening, you, me, everyone, it, it's disgusting. The, the massacre of people is getting old. Like I said, as Soundgarden says, the story is getting old. Uh, I'm well, really getting look, tired of it. We either do you know? something about it or we don't. Yeah, the I agree. I could say on that topic. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Whatever you no, want, I'm saying it's yours. Could, we got we got four more minutes, and it's yours. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah, um, well, I'll use one minute, and then I'll go three minutes in another direction. Um, yeah, profiling is something needs to be done. To me, this what's going on in the world. The world is a disaster, man. I'm telling you. If I could move to Mars, I would. Like I've had it. It's just it's it's getting old. It's getting pathetic. It's disgusting. It's one of the reasons we're <laughs> not doing anything about it because the best of us are saying, you know what? I'm going to shelter in place. I'm going to take care of my family, you know, or my career or my car, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. 
but I'm not going to lose Islamist terror. So I'm going to do what I can do, and the world's going to have to figure it out. And so indifference is going to, if it, as much as anything, is likely to spell doom for us. Yeah, I mean, everyone just kind of becomes their own little uh, isolationalist. They just kind of mind their own business and keep their face, uh, you know, their their face in their uh, Facebook account. And, uh, you know, well, no one I know died today, so who cares? When in reality, the world is falling apart. uh, Today, that is to say, in today's news cycle, for those who don't know, Donald Trump was at an appearance and there was a, I don't know if it was a formal presser or somehow the questions were being shouted out, but... Uh, someone asked a question about waterboarding, and I don't know. No one wanted to touch it and everything. And and Trump looked for an excuse. He shouted out, "Wait, wait! That question about waterboarding, I'll take it." <laughs> he wanted it. He well, he Good. was he's looking for it, and he said, "Waterboarding, I'm for it." Good. Good. I, Something you know. And, you know and, what the bottom line is, Jay. Something has to change. Like I said, we have Trump. We can let's forget all of our other recent, you know, me and you didn't debate. But in general, the primaries are over. We have Trump representing anti-Hillary. I'm much more anti-Hillary than I am pro-Trump. But that's what I love about Trump. You know, maybe we need someone to get into the White House with a crowbar. I I think what people love about Trump, and I agree with what you've said thus far, is, is that, see, what I love are the circumstances because it stands in in hopeful opposition to your rather, you know, frankly, fatalistic view that we're going to stay buried in Facebook and not do anything. The, the, the very dynamics that give rise to Trump are forget Trump. I'm not for Trump. I'm against Hillary and always have been and have never changed a whit in terms of my motives or my focus or anything else. And I want a hopeful sign that people are willing to revolt. And when a Donald Trump or a Joe Jones, Joe Jamoke, doesn't matter who it is, when an American presidential candidate, whatever you think about waterboarding, if, if, you, if you hate it, if you think someone's an idiot for supporting it, even so, you can't deny that an environment in which a candidate for president can stand up and say, I'm for it, you know, and shout it. And smile while he's saying it. That means the environment, the political environment, has changed. Sure. He sees fire. He sees fire. And he's yelling something. But at least he's yelling something, you know. Um, Instead of just running out of the, putting on his asbestos shorts or running out of the theater, he's actually trying to do something about it. Like tackle the arsonist or, you know, get a hose. Yes. In fact, let's get some hose. Meet me after the show. No, I no, no, just kidding. Cool. Fire <laughs> hose. Hey, have you ever been to Costa Rica? Sorry, let's not go there. <laughs> All right. um, do I have a minute here, Jay? How am I looking? Because I'm. You do you? Well, I thank God it's radio, so no one knows how either of us is looking. But you got about a minute. <laughs> okay. So, um, I, like, well, at least we're down to forty-one directions because I think we've gone seven directions <laughs> of my original forty-eight I predicted. Um, okay. So let's talk briefly. By the way, the picture is coming together. Well, for those of us who think, who have brains, as you say, you can see liberalism is the problem here. Meaning, how is all this happening? Well, open borders. Well, what's why is that happening? Because we have elected liberals. Well, why did we do that? Because liberals uh, are giving free money to illegals. So they're basically buying power by selling out the country. So that it, is like why. But don't picture. ignore the question. Don't ignore the element of 
what it means. Because the problem is when you say, you talk about the phenomenon of slaughter becoming so regular that we essentially tolerate it. Okay, same thing with open borders. When I say open borders, see, my children know they could explain to you and have since they were six years old. They could say to you whether or not they agree with it. They could tell you why it's bad, you know, why the people who argue it's bad argue it's bad. And the problem is right now that when you say to most or a lot of Americans, open borders, illegal immigration, that even if they're basically Republicans or basically patriotic or basically conservative, even if they basically kind of agree with you on most things, they're just not frightened of it because they don't know what it means. They they mm-hmm. lack the 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 well probably the intelligence or maybe the effort to look forward five ten fifteen years and see what happens when the quality of people who are now the newest americans like it or not when you consider their demographics their education their occupation their criminal records or everything else when that becomes the majority uh, of people in the United States in 20 or 30 years? What does that mean for the United States of America? People need to be afraid of an issue in order to want to do something about it. They don't know what open borders means. Like no nation. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. On the Blaze Radio Network, want to thank Scott. Uh, Rush taught me that the purpose, the definition of a, a good caller, a great caller, is the degree to which he or she uh, offers the host an opportunity to look good. And without uh, any shade uh, of, of of disrespect intended. I mean, with nothing but respect and love for Scott, I say he, he he's that's how and why he's a great caller. He not only possesses the qualities aforesaid, but he's a conversationalist. So he offers the opportunity. I know when Scott calls, it's going to be bing bang back and forth with a pace and and a range, and there it is. I, I know this is inside baseball, and you'd rather watch a baseball game. I understand. Let's get back to waterboarding for a moment. The other thing that frustrates me, and, and to your calls, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. I look over here and notice that we've got just seventeen lines open. So hurry, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Sometimes I almost wish I went into sports talk because the people are more when they're interested in sport, they're more interested in it and more knowledgeable of it, as you know, than most of our fellow citizens. I mean, it's one thing to just not be super knowledgeable. It's another thing to be stupid and to think it's okay to parade your ignorance. Now, take waterboarding. 
I don't need and particularly want to argue for it or against it. That's always a less interesting argument to me than the procedural question. And sort of the procedural question is here, for everyone who's against it, the argument is exactly the same. All the words are scripted. They're identical. Okay, that given, how many of them know that our special forces, American special forces, I know, I, I know at least SEALs and Delta, uh, also uh, Air Force PJs, and there are several other units and subunits. American special forces, in order for you to graduate, in order for you to become special forces, you must undergo waterboarding, sometimes several times. Now... That doesn't mean that nobody can make a cogent argument against waterboarding. But I'll tell you what it does mean. It means every fool who has made an argument against waterboarding has made a stupid one. Because the single fact that all American Special Forces have been waterboarded before they are Special Forces absolutely and utterly destroys not any argument against waterboarding, but it sure as heck destroys every argument against waterboarding that's ever been presented. Wouldn't you think, and that's a trick question, wouldn't you think that the people who repeat, repeat, repeat the identical arguments with the identical scripted words against a thing, in this case, waterboarding. If you were going to be before a congressional committee or otherwise on television, wouldn't you be important enough or prominent enough or just smart enough to bone up a little bit on the topic? Wouldn't you be, by virtue of something or other, if you were about to say words about waterboarding that you knew would be on national television, wouldn't you, if you were not already, wouldn't you endeavor to make yourself acquainted with the arguments that have thus far been proffered? So at least you knew what you were saying, so, so that, you know, a member of the press corps, aha! And this is why it's a trick question. The reason that conservatives have to prepare for what they say is because no matter what they say, no matter how demonstrably right they are, no matter how unique, thoughtful, creative, constructive, brilliant, new the argument may be, they're going to get hammered by the virtual entirety of American media. By virtue of the fact that they hold an intellectually unpopular position, it's, it's unpopular on college campuses, you know, and in faculty lounges and uh, among those who are in media for a living. And I, I, I say this with not faux authority. I mean, these are the people I've gone to school with, grown up with. Um, I was thinking the other day that 
uh, for for a period of about 12 years, I don't think I had, uh, sorry, <clears throat> it was very clumsy verb. Uh, every girl I dated for about 12 years was a journalist. And people tend to hang, in a lot of businesses, people tend to, and the businesses affiliated with them tend to hang and... Then again, there's that sort of, you know, star attraction. I mean, me to them. <laughs> uh, so th- these are people I know, and that's not important. I can't, you know, argue a credential of this sort. All, all I could do is tell you it's my experience that X, Y, or Z. But back to the point for a change, isn't it kind of astounding and frustrating so that your eyes hurt? that you've got people up there making the identical scripted argument for or against anything, and they don't bother. Again, why it's a trick question. If you are John McCain, or you are Barack Obama, or Hillary Clinton, or Elizabeth Warren, or Bernie Sanders, or, I mean, come on, it's only a two-hour show. Uh, I can't give you all the names. But when they testify or speechify or stupefy, they don't have to worry about whether what they've said is exactly the same thing as the last 175 comments that ran in American national media. If you pulled them up, you'd find that the previous 175 comments were identical to the syllable of what Elizabeth Warren has just said about guns or about waterboarding or about transgender rights or something. The reason they don't have to worry is that no member of the American, well, virtually no member of the American press corps is going to stand up and say, but Senator, but Senator, you, you, that's, how does that work? You know, how does that make sense? Or Senator, Senator, Senator McCain said that, Yesterday, before the, you know, the Congressional Committee on Widgets or whatever. See, if you're a conservative, you have to worry about that because even if you're right and original and you have an argument, they're going to jump up and hammer you. If you are an ass-kissing liberal member of the Brotherhood with the media, you can say any fool thing you want. And no matter how old, tired, and prima facie wrong it is, you're not going to get challenged. So since you know you're not going to get challenged, you don't prepare. Well, that's not what you would do or I would do. We would prepare. We'd prepare out of fear, but we'd also prepare, seems to me, out of respect for ourselves and maybe a little bit for the process. You'd say, you know what? The United States Congress is having me as a witness before a committee tomorrow. I don't know who else thinks that's important or not important, but I think it's darn important. And so I'm going to give my best. You know, someday, someday, I hope that my grandchildren will say, you know that, that, that granddad once testified before a Senate committee? You know, for, for two minutes and 15 seconds. But he did. You know, here we have the transcript. We've saved it. Here it's in the scrapbook. What, if for no other reason, 
Wouldn't you want your grandchildren to read that and say, you know what? I think grandpa was an old coot, and I think he was really wrong on this. But wow, what a fine argument he made. It's wrong. It's, I mean, I, that is to say, I disagree, and I think he's fundamentally wrong on five different things here, but not incorrect. He doesn't have the facts wrong. His reasoning, his values are wrong, as far as I'm concerned. But he didn't, he wasn't lazy about it. He didn't make mistakes. He didn't like give the wrong numbers or lie or, you know. And that drives me crazy. And the waterboarding thing, forgive me, is one of the things about this whole thing that drives me crazy. It's one of the things that makes me want Donald Trump to do better. <clears throat> it's one of the things, I mean, there's no doubt that I'm voting for Trump. I, it, I, you know, and again, I haven't changed my motives, my direction, or my commentary, a molecule since day before day one. I, my bumper sticker is no Hillary. And after that, it's no Democrat. So if if Ish Kabibble, if Joe Camel gets the Republican nomination, uh, Joe Camel gets my vote. But the kind of thing that makes me kind of smile and makes me want for Trump to do better is when he does something like jump up and go out of his way to invite a question that other politicians are way too cowardly to, you know, to want to touch. He jumps up and says, waterboarding, I'll take that question. I'm for it. Let's do it. You have to fight fire with fire. Those are quotes. Those are verbatim quotes of what he said. He said other things too. But the synthesis of what he said, again, verbatim quotes that you could pull out of what he said, is I'm for it. Let's do it. You have to fight fire with fire. Now, again, whether he's right or wrong, if there is a right or wrong, whether you believe he's right or wrong, whether I believe he's right or wrong, there is something quite aside from the substance of it, the procedural end of it. The fact that there is someone willing to stand up and scream an opinion about something so dangerous in American politics, a minefield in American politics, here is someone willing to stand up and not give you seven and a half minutes of utter horse manure, but willing to just stand up and say, here's what I think. We'll be right back. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network, now you uh, may have noticed, and that's the point, you may or may not have noticed, there is a theory, an issue among those of us who are, you know, political geeks about whether there's a new teleprompter Trump. Now, a teleprompter as almost, and I find this amusing, when I was your age, nobody knew what a teleprompter was. 
Nobody now knows what a through-the-lens teleprompter is, except I've just explained it by giving you its name. When, when I had candidates who could not do scripts uh, ad-lib, which is most of them, uh, they, would do, they would use a through-the-lens teleprompter. When they, when they looked at the camera, they wouldn't see a lens. They would see the prompter. As big as a, a big, say, Apple desktop computer screen, it would be that big with great big, you know, fat scripted letters rolling through it, which they would rehearse, which is part of my point. Rehearse. Rush, among others, believes that Trump is thus far obvious when he uses a teleprompter. Again, in what, what the kind that Donald Trump uses is the 100% of the teleprompters used that the public sees. And what they are, and you rarely see them actually, there are two apparently clear pieces of glass, each the size of an Apple desktop computer screen. And the words run on them, but the way they're tilted and the way they're lighted means that you don't see them. You just, if you see anything, and they're usually out of frame, but if you see anything, we, the viewer, sees anything, we see a clear plane of glass. But the speaker, of course, sees the words. That's the brilliance of the thing. And there's one on each side, equidistant from the user, and they look, enabling them to look from side to side and pause by looking in the middle. It is a skill. Believe it or not, like driving, everyone assumes when they're 16 years old, they will. everyone will be equally able to be a good driver. Not true. Not true. There are some really bad drivers. How is that? Because it's actually a skill. It's not brain surgery, but it's a skill. It may be low on the spectrum of skills, but it's still a skill requiring depth perception, some coordination. Reading from a teleprompter is a skill. Donald Trump doesn't yet have it. And when he uses a prompter so far... Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.